I don't know if y'all realize how blessed we are to have the team that we have that leads us in worship every Sunday, but uh, that don't happen everywhere. Thank y'all so much for that. Man, I, this is, so this is one of those Sundays. We're going to do State of the Church. You can read that above me, so that's no surprise. Um, I, let me give you the, the layout. <laughs> that was my budget proposal. Apparently, it was not good. We'll address that later. <laughs> That's why he's not here a lot. That's why we run him off. Today is one of those days where I, I had a lot that I wanted to say, but because I'm going to let Glenn talk for a minute, I knew I had to be really short. And so I really, I kind of tried to drill down to what was important today, um, but there was a lot that I wanted to say. And what's so cool to me, and I was talking to Kobe about this before we started this morning, is a lot of the things that I wanted to say, God said through the music today. Um, I wanted, and I'm, I'm going to mess up uh, your chord sheets here, and I apologize. I think I'm getting the ones off the back, which you don't need anymore. But I just, I'm going to put these beside me today because I may draw off them a few times. But one of the ones this morning that, that just stood out to me was, um, I look back seeing that you are faithful, and I look ahead knowing that you are able. And man, what a great way to frame today. Um, because my goal for us today, let me just give you the road map of where we're headed. Uh, we're going to finish up 1 John chapter 5 very briefly, I promise, Okay. Um, we want to kind of tie that into where we're headed. And today we're going to look back at 2019, kind of talk about the things that the Lord has done in us. For you guys, you know, it's, this has been a transitionary year for us. And it's been a huge learning experience for me, but also for you guys. And so we want to look back at that and see all the things that God has done in and through our body. But then we also want to look forward and ask God, what do you have for us this coming year? And we'll talk about that. So, man, what a great way to frame that today. So last week we looked at chapter 4 in the book of 1 John. And, and we looked at, at how John is laying out that we know who is speaking truth to us, okay? And so I've said this every time when we've approached this book to, to help us understand the context in which it's coming from is there are some men in the church who are trying to preach that Jesus is not the Son of God. And so John is writing this letter, okay? So why is that important for us to look at that? What we see happening in this church is there's an issue which, thank God, we don't have a lot of those in our church. Very rarely do we have anything like this that happens, but we have disagreements with people in our lives all the time, and so we see how John is instructing the church, one, how they, how they know how they need to respond, what the truth is, and then how they are to, to reveal that truth to the others around them. And so last week, we looked at how John is, is helping them understand that the way that we, we know that we are hearing the truth and that the truth is being spoken is by uh, the words that are used and the love that comes through that and not worldly love that's conditional and based on how we respond and our actions, but God's unconditional grace-filled love that can only come from him. And so John shows us we have this really incredible tool when it comes to trying to understand what is being spoken to us. We can look at the words and the actions of the people that are speaking and very quickly determine if those words are of God or if they're not, Okay. Um, so as we've, we've worked through this book, our intent has been to, to look at the context here and then to compare that to the culture that we find ourselves in and to pull some application out of that. So today we're going we're gonna to end in chapter 5. And what we see is that as we live in truth, it reveals truth to the world around us. That as we are abiding in God's love, the world experiences God's love through us. And I shared with you guys, this is one of my favorite passages because of that. Because if we will just abide in God's love, his love, it says in chapter 4, verse 12, will be brought to full expression. So everything that God is can be revealed through the way that we love one another, okay? And ripping up papers 
in front of the service, okay? So let's look, at, we're going to read chapter 5, uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 12, I'm going to make some quick application and then we'll move on from there, okay? So look with me today in 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. John says this, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. Just highlighting here in verse 3, he says that his commandments are not burdensome. We'll get back to that later. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus Christ is revealed as God's Son by his baptism in water and by shedding his blood on the cross not by water only but by water and blood and the spirit who is truth confirms it with his testimony so we have these three witnesses the spirit the water and the blood and all three agree since we believe human testimony surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God and God has testified about his son all who believe in the son of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true Those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about His Son. And that is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life. And and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. And whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. So we've looked at this book. We've talked about a lot this year. Uh, in 2019, specifically as we studied through Exodus, that our call as a people is to join God to set people free, right? And, and what, as I'm reading chapter 5, if I was to condense this all down, I would say this, that our call as believers is to testify to the truth that Jesus is the Son of God and that He is the way and the truth and the life. This is the message that we have. If we look back at the book of Exodus, it's all pointing towards the Messiah. It's Jesus trying to redeem His people. As we have studied that book last year, you you heard me use this word calling or to be called a lot. And my hope is that over the year, you've asked God what your role is in this body, what your call is. What is God asking you to do? And I wanted to highlight a while ago that that he says in verse 3 that his commandments are not burdensome because if we are living in God's will, if we are doing what he's called us to do, We are going to enjoy it. The greatest joy we could ever experience is going to come from doing what God has called us to do. Glenn and I were talking about that this morning. I asked him how Atlanta went. He may share this, but he said, man, if I could just do this the rest of my life, it'd be awesome. And it's not because the people are great over there. They are. And it's not because Glenn really likes driving to Atlanta. Maybe he does. It's because when you're in the middle of God's will, everything feels the way it's supposed to feel. This, this year we're going we're gonna to look at a, a new book, we're going to study Ecclesiastes, and I'll talk about this in a minute, but, but that book is constantly pointing back to the Garden of Eden when God first created us. And we're going to study that, but, but I want you to understand that as we move forward in this year, that the goal is not just for us to do some new things. Our goal is to affirm for ourselves and for one another what God's role is for each of us. And then to experience the joy that comes as we fulfill that role, okay? So John closes out this letter like most people would would close a letter or a presentation by kind of summarizing everything that he's talked about in this whole book. His closing statements remind them that they are to do what? To obey what God commands. He's pointing back to that again. We are called to love God 
and to love one another. He says that in verse 2 and 3. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey His commands. Loving God means keeping His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. So today, as, as we look forward, it's important for us to keep this in mind, that whatever God is calling us to, our obedience, motivated by love, is proof that we are in relationship with Him, and that we love Him, and that we love one another. Okay? This is not a new commandment or a new idea. We've talked about it a lot. We've studied it at length as we went through the Ten Commandments, but Jesus summarized it this way. Someone asked me, this teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So God's intent for us, it all boils down to two things. To love God and to love one another. And if, verse 40 says, if we do all those things, all the law of the prophets is fulfilled. We don't have to worry about, am I living the right way? If we are loving God and obeying His commandments and loving one another, we're exactly where God wants us to be. So our focus in Exodus, like I said, was to join God to set people free. And the way we do that is by revealing to them the truth about who God is. If you remember when God is setting Israel free from Egypt... And he sets them apart as a nation. He's doing that to, to show the world who he is through his people. He gives them these laws. He gives them these rules to be a people set apart. They are not going to look like any of the other people groups that are around them. They're not going to act the same way. They're not going to treat one another the same way. And they're not going to treat foreigners that come into their country the way that other countries do. They're going to be marked and different because of who God is in their life. And that's what we want for us as a church. Okay? So, let's look back. We're going to look right for, for a moment. Um, I'm going to have Glenn come up and then Brittany and then Bethany. Um, but first we're going to talk about uh, church planning. So we're going to ask the question, how did TGP West join God to set people free in 2019? And what's he calling us to do in 2020? So Glenn, if you will, come on up and uh, we'll do this thing. I'm putting a timer on you. <laughs> um. Yeah, I had a lot more to say, but I just tore it up, so <laughs> I can't read it anymore. Man, I, I wrote the exact same thing down, because the, the, uh, I can't remember phrases, but I wrote the same two phrases down from, uh, oh, thank you. No, I'm just kidding. I can, I can actually see it. It's, it's good. Get that out. You can't rip one of those. Uh, I wrote the same two phrases down the, and I look back. You know, I, I don't, Kobe, I don't know if you did that on purpose. Did you do that on purpose, that song, looking back and looking forward? Yeah, of course you didn't. So, sweet. Yeah, I know, but he didn't, he didn't do it because he knew this was coming, right? Um, so, anyway, I'll be brief. I'll try to be brief. You know how hard that is. But, um, man, what, what Will just said, in summary of, of First John, man, that's such a, uh, you know, it is a summary of who we are and what we're about. Um, I didn't, I wasn't here last week. I guess you preached the First John 4 last week, yeah. So in that passage where he says, you know, he's, he's telling us to love. And the only way that we can love is to be born of God, one, which we're all about here, right? And this is eternal life. It's to know him. It's to, it's to have a relationship with Christ. But then the other thing he says he says the only way you can do this 
this kind of love, this agape, selfless kind of love, self-sacrificing kind of love, a love that, that obeys God. The only way, that, where that comes from is from knowing him, I mean from, from being born of God and knowing him. And the word know is our gnosko know. It's knowing him by experience. So really there's only one thing we have to do, and that's love, know God. You know him, you're going to love him. You love him, you're going to love other people. That's, that's, it, this is it. And one of the things that, that has really come clear to me in this ministry of church planting and church revitalization is that God is making it, he's saying the same thing over and over again in a way of guidance for me, is I have one message. And that's lead people to know God through abiding. That's it. I mean, all the rest of it is fruit of that. And, and one of the things the Lord corrected this year, you know, we've been at this a year now. It's hard to believe it, but one of the things the Lord corrected was my, my desire to be in a location and plant a church and be the pastor of that church for a period of time and then bring somebody there and get out. That's not, that's not my job. My job is to teach someone to abide in him, and that someone has to be someone that God brings to me. He used the story of Peter and Cornelius to, bring that, to make that, story, that point clear, uh, that you know Peter was being told by God that he was going to bring the message to a, to a place that he didn't believe he could, and it was to the Gentiles. And, and at the same time, God was speaking to Cornelius to say, hear what he has to say. And so that, when that moment happened and Peter and Cornelius showed up in the same location, and they both obeyed what God said to do. The magic happened. There was no doubt that everything was going to be done right. God gave Peter the things to say. God softened Cornelius' heart and his whole family. And they received it. And it was miraculous. Now, I didn't used to think that that was miraculous. I used to think, well, he's Peter. But it's miraculous and it's happening. I never would have thought this morning, I, was, I don't know if any of you read Tozer's devotion, but it was all about how Jesus said we would do greater things. And the greater thing is this, is that Jesus can be all over the world at the same time. That, that literally, that, that, that God can bring me to, to, to Romania this year and put me in contact with a guy who has, shows no signs of being the one who would receive this word and, and perpetuate it in his country and when we meet together it's like magic it's like magic in a good way the holy spirit takes over and and he receives every word and all the things that god's been teaching us here people all over the world want what god is doing in our lives they want it we have gotten used to it and we've gotten a little bit i think at times uh taking it for granted and not realizing how good it is to know God and to understand these truths about God and to walk in those. So all we're doing is we're just, you know, I am your representative and I'm going, I'm God's representative and you're a representative. You're sending me out and I'm going to these places and finding uh, those people that God's putting me in contact with and he's preparing them. I had a great experience last weekend in Georgia, incredible. I started meeting with this guy that God put in our past through a Casting Crowns concert and us going to see Todd and him overhearing what I was saying to somebody else and saying, man, I'm hungry for what you're talking about. I want it too. And, and one thing led to another. And now there's 
probably going to be three churches in, Jeff, in Griffin, Georgia, house churches that will come out of that chance experience. It's crazy. We started talking, and it was eight hours before we looked up. I mean, literally. And I wasn't doing all the talking, just in case you were wondering. Man, they were just so hungry for what you guys have and what we have to offer people. And so I just want to, first of all, challenge us where we live. You know, there's no magic in us taking this across the world. It's actually sad to me. And I mean this in a very humble way. And I've thought, thought about this and shared it with the worship team this morning. God had to break us down to get us to where we are. And there are so many people around the world that are stuck where we were stuck. But there are hungry people all over the world and there's nobody to tell them the truth that we have to give them. There's nobody. Why would God have to send me to Romania to do that? And I can tell you, it's just, it, 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 we feel it here. What would be the chances if the gathering place wasn't here that people would be sharing this message? I don't know. But I know this. I, it's been like God has taken a Peter over here and put me in contact with a Cornelius in another place. And it keeps happening. And I, that's what I mean. I could do this for the rest of my life. What a privilege, man, for me to do this. Thank you, by the way, for continuing to support us financially and following your elders for, for seeking the Lord about that and doing that because it's such a wonderful thing when I walk into a place and they go like, but, we wanna, but don't we need to pay you for something? No, no, it's all covered. But, but okay, why are you doing this? Because God said do it. And you can do this too, you know, and it's such a blessing. Um, anyway, I got story after story I, I want to tell many of you. And anytime you want to talk about these things, I want to. But let me just cover kind of where we've been and where we're going, uh, where we think we're going. Obviously, we don't know all where we're, we're going, where the Corneliuses are. But we started the network this past year. We really have not started functioning out of the budget yet because we didn't have enough budget. And so I've just been kind of the Lord provides. And it's been miraculous to see his provision. It's been wonderful. Uh, but we are really, God's putting us in a place now where we have other people giving into the network. About half of the budget for this next year is going to actually come from other sources. Um, some are already giving, some we know will, um, like this past weekend. So that's happening. Uh, and you have the, that budget. And if you haven't, haven't had any questions about that, I'd love to, to talk to you about that. Um, the mission of the network is a little bit scaled down from what our mission is. It, we, we are basically for, focusing on four things. Abiding in Christ, obviously. The gospel message is our only message. Um, grace, particularly the imputed righteousness of Christ, that truth that God's given us as a church in the South is, is received rarely among Baptists. Same thing in other countries, at least in the two countries that I've been to. Same thing in Georgia that I just got back from. People don't understand the grace of God. We have that gift to give to people. And then community in its purest sense, which is our life groups. We are promoting community and, and promoting people meeting in homes. And then if it gets to, to where you need to do something corporately, great. We do. I get to share our story. But in, like in, in Romania, that won't happen probably because this community is poor. The people don't want uh, to build more buildings, but they can meet in homes. And so that's our goal there. So... Uh, we're doing some things locally, you know, we're, we are, God has opened some doors for me to, to work with three different churches uh, to do um, revitalization work 
and uh, that's been slow but steady. The Lord is using me in the lives of people to share these truths with people locally. Um, um, so yeah, I mentioned the fact of me transitioning from pastor to planter, and that that means exactly what I said earlier that I'm not supposed to be going and spending a lot of time in one place. That I go and plant this truth, this seed of abiding, and then they abide in Christ, and He produces His fruit. And it may not look the same as ours, but it's going to be very similar because it's the same Christ. And then uh, we we are we have a church that's been meeting now for this today will be the fourth Sunday in Cachado. Cashada, uh, a friend of mine who, was, who left a, a large church, felt led to plant a church, called me because he knew that we did church planting. His family actually attended our church for a while. Um, and so that church is going. Uh, and so we, we're a part of that. That's, uh, and then other possibilities are open. You know, we've, we have always have people talking to us about, um, about helping to plant churches locally. But those, those are some things that we've done already. And, of course, open to some more of that. In the United States, possible church plants in Griffin, Georgia, possibly three plants out of this one experience uh, from this past weekend. As I said, man, they're hungry, and I met with their group uh, on Sunday night and saw a natural three groups within that one group and, and challenged them in the first meeting with them to say, you know, you guys don't need to be together. You're too strong. You're too strong. And, and you need to get people in your own home eventually. Draw strength from each other. But you need to be in three groups. And so the, I believe they're going to take that challenge and move forward with that. Of course, we're, always, we're also continuing to encourage our church planters, our house churches in Colorado with the Williamses who, you know, were in Uganda. They're, they're there and they have uh, two house churches right now in Silt, Colorado. And then also um, the Funderburks in Limestone, uh, Tennessee, who you guys have heard their testimony. And uh, it, it's beautiful. And they're, they're continuing to, to do church planting there. And God's providing uh, beautifully for them. I'll share one other story at the end about them. Uh, but then overseas, Honduras, this past year, uh, I went and met with Dario. You know, we, he, uh, we called him to be our network uh, person on the ground, which means he is promoting and pushing and and helping churches to embrace the things that the Lord showed us, the distinctives that God's given us. He's doing that in Honduras uh, with 10, right now, 10 pastors, well, 11. We just had another one that they ordained, Dario ordained recently. So 11 pastors, and he's, he is also freed up to do what I do here. So he's going around and doing encouragement. He's doing a Pauline kind of ministry. He's doing encouragement, church planting, um, correction, and he, I've watched him do all of it. It's amazing. But he is uh, totally on board in doing that in Honduras. Uh, so also we, we did a, a trip there this past year to do uh, pastor training. A few of us went. And uh, so that was this past year. So in 2020, we already, uh, of course, Dario is our representative. So he's doing the work that I'm doing here. He's doing there. Um, that will continue. Then we also have connected with another child foundation. You guys remember when I told the story of Romania. That's how I got to Romania. Well, immediately when I got there, I noticed that, uh, well, when I got back, Tim was saying that, that they uh, wanted to expand another child foundation, which they work with. Uh, they do fundraising and they do mission trips and they do humanitarian aid, okay, in, uh, particularly to uh, and education, particularly to at-risk uh, children. And so um, we have that 
in Honduras with no support. There is one supporter of the, the uh, child development center that Dario does through his church in Honduras. So the Lord put together in my mind and, and in the hearts of another child foundation to go to Honduras. So we're going on the 20th of this month. I'm taking the CEO of another child foundation with me. And we're going to go look at the child development center. And also while we're there, of course, we always meet with our pastors and we're going to meet with them and talk about how they're doing and answer any questions about how it's been this year fleshing out uh, the distinctives, these new distinctives. So that's going to that's happening. And ACF is going to be expanding to that to that area. So cool God story real quick. I was on the phone with uh, the, the only full time employee for another child foundation, one of the founders. Uh, wanted to talk to two to he asked for four pastors to meet with him on the phone to answer some questions and kind of give some spiritual direction to the church I mean to the organization so we met this week a lot of good stuff happening there but the thing that was a God thing is one of the pastors that we that I met on the phone had just gotten back from Honduras and he was in Olanchito which is a very small town, on the, uh, a small city on the other side of the mountains, five hours away from the nearest airport. Okay, showing up in Olanchito is weird. Okay, I mean, it has to be God. And putting us together on the phone, and only, you know, there's only two pastors showed up besides me, so there's three pastors on the phone, and two of us have been to Olanchito. Well, I've already knew that was from God. Called his resources, and they, the guy that goes there from his church is uh, uh, does construction has a construction company does that for a living and they've been doing construction in Olanchita which we don't do and another child foundation doesn't do so now we have a team Uh, we have a a guy on the ground there that can knows how to buy supplies and can oversee all any kind of work that we do to build our little awning churches in some of these villages when that when that need happens so God's all over that. And it was just a confirmation that God's saying, yeah, I want y'all together in Olanchito. So I'm excited about that. All right, also this summer we're planning a medical mission trip. We're, go- we're going to talk with Dario about that while we're there, but uh, Scott Cantwell uh, felt like that was something the Lord wanted him to organize, and so um, we're going to be organizing that. And then also uh, in 2020, we're hoping that the Lord will provide income for the the um, I'm sure this is going to happen. This is going to provide enough income for the network for us to support two more workers for Dario because Dario is 72 years old. He's got a couple of people under him that he can train and and desires to do that. So we're also going to discuss that while we're there. And when we say supporting, you know, Dario full time is $600 a month. It's crazy. So we're talking about a couple hundred dollars a month for, for a couple of other people to support them enough so that they can do this work with Dario. So that he's going to be expanding that, that ministry and giving what he does away to somebody else, some of what he does. All right, and then in Romania, you heard the whole story last time. We did, you know, this past summer, we did, or in March of last year, almost a year ago, we did a vision trip. It all happened so quickly. And then, you know, and then we did summer camp in July and I got to meet with a pastor and that's when I met um, Elian, who's our our person there. And so I went back to meet with Elian recently and that meeting he ended up being, uh, committing to and getting, he got it. I mean, same kind of Cornelius thing. He got lit, fired up, 
repentant about his, his ministry, the way he did it, a, a desire and willingness to, to take whatever he has to take in order to make the changes he needs to make um, to be able to be this kind of pastor and this kind of person uh, for his people. And this, of course, I got to speak to his church and they were in, in, incredibly inspired and excited about abiding in Christ and how simple that was. So the Lord's moving and working there. So uh, we hired uh, Elian, and he's working for us now. And we also hired two other people, or are hiring two other people, uh, Lucci, um, who is uh, working with the youth there. And that uh, uh, was a v- part of the vision that we had when we first went, was that someone would be working with the children who age out of the Point of Hope Center. So these are the Roma kids that, you know, they grow up in this in this point of hope center. You know, they go they go there for preschool, they go there for before and after school care, get meals and that kind of thing. But then they age out of the program, and there's no spiritual anything there. So one of those things is Lucci is going to be going weekly, every Friday to do youth ministry type stuff. So he's right. He's already leading a Bible study there, and we're going to resource him to do more stuff. Uh, to, to equip him to do some stuff with the kids. But he'll, he'll be paid for that. And then the pastor that's, um, on the, that's in the, the village uh, where the Point of Hope is, is, he's the only Roma pastor in that village of 2,000, supposedly 2,000 families, uh, is excited and open and ready to train men in the village to start house churches. And we had that conversation, and now we've got Elian, who's going to, who understands all of how to do that, and he's going to be training this guy, and he's re- ready and open for that. So that is going to happen in uh, 2020. We're also, uh, in 2020, we're going to do another mission trip. Um, so we're asking for people in our church to pre- be prepared and to, to pray about that. We'll need to know pretty quickly if you're going to want to do that. It'll be July 4th through the 14th. And uh, our church is going to be doing the Bible studies again. I believe uh, Lizzie's not here today, but she said she wants to go again. So she will probably head up that team of people. So we'll actually lead Bible studies for a camp. But in addition to that, we are providing these Bible studies for every other person. I mean, for for the other teams. So they're going to be building recreation and crafts and all of what we do for the camp around these Bible stores. And so we're going to have one theme. And, of course, our message is going to be those four things, the same four things, abiding, grace, the gospel, and community. And so we'll be giving that to those kids while we're there. Um, in addition to that, um, we're, we're going to continue to support the team as they plant churches. As we're needed, we're going to help to train pastors. But it was interesting that between the time that we were there in July and the time that I went this time, uh, he, Elian has started a school for training pastors and elders in his church. And then the opening uh, inaugural meeting of this school was the Saturday that I was there. Just happened to be that Saturday. I got to speak to those men and what I speak about, abiding. How the word of God, knowing the word of God, which is what they're talking about, studying the word of God. How what it's about is about giving, getting us ready so we know how to live it so that we can know God by experience through our obedience. And so, man, God was just all over that. And then also church revitalization in the city, man. It's as it's, it's, it's sad as it is uh, in the south here. You know, churches are doing a lot of religious things. 
and but there's no life in it. And so we have the opportunity through Elian, who's a respected pastor in the area, to to work in uh, Tulgum Maresh and work with pastors to spread that message. Uh, so church revitalization. Now, uh, support resources this year. We're working on uh, editing right now. Uh, Russ is working on editing the abiding cycle and has another guy that's going to actually fix it so that it will look good in print. And we're actually going to print copies of the abiding cycle for the first time. So we'll have that in English, but we're also going to have it in Romanian because Elian is already translating uh, into Romanian uh, the abiding cycle. We also realized that we had letters to the church and... Um, Transforming Grace, which is two books that I use here. They're both already in Romanian. So he has those resources to use as well uh, to promote those four things. We're also writing devotionals and podcasts for the abiding cycle. So, so when, when a team goes to Romania with us or to Honduras with us, they're going to have 40 days of devotions before they go. So if you, if you sign up to go, you'll go through a 40-day devotional on abiding grace the gospel and community and you'll understand it the way that we're going to be presenting it before you go while you're on the mission trip you will do an intensive every day and talk about those things and we'll flesh those things out together and then when you get home your pastor is going to have a resource to take you through one-on-one to debrief the experience that you had and help you learn how to plug that into where you live so all of that is something that uh, we're working on this year to create and then also realized, I've realized in, in all the places that I've been, we need to take some of the things like the Acts study that we did, uh, Becoming a Community That Blesses, and the Jesus is Enough series, particularly those two, uh, will give podcasts for people to listen to as they're, as they're trying to understand the concepts and build community around these, uh, simple community around these truths. So uh, we're working on getting that also. And then we're working also this year uh, to create a, a book to orient mission pastors and also churches and also for us to use here because we've just, we've just had resources kind of random uh, through the years. And so we're going to put those in, in a form that we can use them. So all that to say, you know, this is where, we, where we're at so far. We could be, I mean, the budget that you see is, is, very, uh, is based on what we can see. But there, we could have a call, a call from a Cornelius anywhere in the world and be on that this year because we, God provides. I had a conversation with a, uh, I'll close with this, I had a conversation with a, 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 t- a man and his son in Romania and when they were sharing how the Lord was moving in their hearts about abiding and about uh, doing simple church, they also said, man, I wish my sister he said, the, the boy spoke English, the man didn't. He said, I wish my sister could hear this. Because they're in Wales, and they don't have any kind of church like this. And they've started meeting in a home. So I, I heard that. The Holy Spirit brought it back to me uh, last week before I went to Georgia. And so I prayed about it. Uh, one morning, it's the first thing on my mind. I wrote in my journal, Lord, what do we do about this? And that morning, the, the verse of the day in Bible Gateway was, ask, seek, and knock. So I said, all right, I'm going to knock. So I called or I messaged this young man and said, hey, listen, I just want you to know I haven't thought to quit thinking about your sister. 
I'm praying for her this morning. I said, if they want to talk about what we talked about, I said, tell them to reach out to me. Well, on the way to Georgia, I got a call from him on Messenger. So we're talking on the phone, and I end up calling them on a fax machine in Wales. And they're, they are living like the Funderburks did. Okay, most of y'all, who, if you heard the Funderburks story, you know how impressive it is. God told them to go and not to take these jobs, but to live off the land, to live in community with some other families. So there's five families, and then they lost six people recently, and they were discouraged because of it. But they're living in, actually living in community together. Now, that's weird. I get it. It's weird to me, too. But last year, when I started the book of, of Acts study, I read this book called Called the Community, and there was all, I mean, Bonhoeffer, uh, a bunch of people that were a part of the, were alive in, 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 in Germany at a certain time were, were living this way. And they talked about all the things that they learned in community together. So, and then we have the Funderburks, and we have the Williamses, who, who eight months pregnant went to Uganda to live two families to just live. All right, so it's not totally crazy to us. We can understand it, but we're probably the only people that God could connect with them that would understand that. So I don't know what the Lord has in store for that, but I've already called the Williamses and the Funderburks and gave them the fax number to call them on so they could encourage them and ask them to pray about what, what else we need to do to support them. So God's doing some great stuff. And I, like, like I said, man, I am, I'm so thankful to be able to do this, but I'm also just... So excited about what the future holds for this ministry that we have here. So, you know, just know, just know. First of all, take, take the challenge yourself and realize there are people all around you. I heard a testimony this morning of a man who, who sought, after, sought one of our members because he knew there was something in him that was different. And they've been in a relationship for years, and he prayed to receive Christ this week. I mean, there are people all around us. They don't know what it is that you have. But we need to let our light shine, right? We need to get it out there and, and be bold and start putting this before people. And you experience what I experience, okay? You, you'll experience what I'm experiencing. You're going to see that God has a Cornelius around you. So let's do that. Let's join the Lord in that. All right, Will, how was that? All right. All right, so I also have bullet points on a craft from Zoo Lights. So it's pretty much the same amount of organization as Glenn's. I just want you to know that. Um, So uh, it's so cool hearing about what God is doing and knowing that these things that he's doing all around the world, he's also working here locally and that God cares about all people everywhere. It's just neat, you know. It's just really cool. So, okay. In 2019, on, I'm going to talk about Wednesday nights, and then I'll talk about Sunday mornings. I'll talk about Sunday mornings first, actually. Um, so 2019, we, I'm here to talk about the children's ministry. <laughs> I know. It's confusing. Um, we, Will, nope, Melinda and Wes started doing the older kids class on Sunday mornings. Um, and then this morning, I was like, I have not talked to them in a long time. So just to see how it's going, but they're doing that. Um, we've been having a lot more neighborhood kids coming regularly on Sunday mornings, which has been awesome. 
Um, and the other thing is that Kara is really been, she does a ton of the stuff to make things happen on Sunday mornings, like things that I'm awful at, like organization, setting up supplies, um, overseeing like the scheduling and subs and stuff like that for Sunday morning. So Kara's been doing all of that and that's been amazing. And she does a really, really good job with all that. So um, in 2020, we've been talking about uh, possibly trying to set up the setup of rooms a little bit differently, have maybe having more of a two and three room because in our like preschool room right now, we have three-year-olds through kindergarten, and that's just a pretty big age and developmental gap, and we have like 10 kids in there sometimes, and so uh, we've just been talking and praying about, okay, what what are our needs? How do we organize things? How do we use our rooms? And so um, it's pretty exciting that we're still having more babies and going to be having more kids to figure out like, okay, how, how do we use our resources well? And so we're praying about that and trying to figure out possibly using the cry room. Um, it's more of like a little nursery. I'm not sure if we'll have people to staff in there or not, but those are things we're praying about. Nothing is changing yet. We'll let you know if you need to do anything differently. Uh, something that I've talked to the staff about that I'm really hoping to start this year is having like a parent's night out every couple months or something um, and provide babies things so parents can go out on a date. And the other thing that uh, I'm really praying about, like, okay, what, can, what is our role? Um, how can we help support parents in educating their kids about the Lord and help, you know, all the abiding stuff? What does that look like in the way we live our lives? What does that look like in how we teach our kids? Because just like, you know, like our kids are our responsibility and we want to really support parents and not just have it be like, oh, we'll come here and we'll do all of your Jesus education here and you don't have to worry about it during the week and it's something that I've that's been on my mind and God has just been good in the last eight months in my life that my kids are getting bigger things have been changing some and I have more space um, to be able to think and pray about these things so I'm excited to kind of see what that what happens and what what I can be intentional about that so that's something you guys can pray for with me is what does that look like how do we do that well um, on Wednesday nights in 2019, we started to use the same curriculum on, sun, on Wednesday nights that we use here on Sunday mornings because it's fantastic and it's predictable for the teachers, things like that. It makes it easy if I can't be there, someone can step in and it's already set up. Also, it teaches the Bible and that's something... Um, so anyways, we started doing that. We have a TV, TV hooked up in elementary. I mean, not in elementary, in the fellowship hall. We show the Gospel Project Bible story on there. And then I retell the story and we talk about it, answer questions with the kids. That's gone really well. Um, and then we also have had a big increase in elementary kids on Wednesday nights. It's not unusual often to have more elementary kids than to have high school kids. Um, like I'd say pretty regularly we have about 12 or 13 elementary kids. So that's, that's really exciting. We've had a pretty consistent core. Um, so that's really cool. In 2020, um, Bethany and I had a great meeting a few weeks ago. We we're just talking about what we can do to be intentional about helping the kids feel like this is their space also, that they are not just coming and using our church space, but 
they also have ownership here. So I'm excited. It's just, I mean, it's like little stuff, you know, but to them, I'm really hoping it helps them see that like, no, like we want you here. You are part of this group. You're a part of this church. Um, so I'm excited about implementing those. We're also hoping on Wednesday nights to start implementing some more activities. Um, we're hoping to get like some activity carts set up. It's stuff that's like not a huge deal, but I think it's going to make a really big difference on A, having more um, opportunity, being intentional about creating opportunities to have really good one-on-one interaction with kids. Um, And normally here, the kids come and they just kind of play and it's a little bit chaotic. But the other thing that's been awesome about that is that's something that we have not been able to do because we haven't had the people. But God has already been bringing people on Wednesday nights to help with that. And so it's really exciting to be like, oh, man, hopefully we're going to be able to have just some little stations, have an area with books so kids can come and read. Or, you know, if someone wants to come and read books to kids on Wednesday nights, that would be awesome. But just I'm excited about the opportunities and for just like meaningful interaction went on with kids. Um, the other thing is just for me really realizing this year, like, okay, what is important? What are we doing here? What is it important for these kids? What is the purpose? And I really um, think that, A, they need to know that God loves them and that we are the vessel for that in a lot of the, in their lives. But I want them to know that God loves them, but also that the Bible teaches us that God loves them, that God made them, and the Bible is true, and it has the answers that they need for their life. This is a really transient area, and so probably we're not going to have, I mean, I think there's like one family um, that have been here ever since the church has been here, but other than that, no one has been here consistently for a long time, and so really think, and so it's challenged me to think like, okay, what is it that I want these kids to hear over and over and over and over so that that's because they're not going to be able to learn the whole Bible over the next 12 years that they're right here in this ministry, unless they are, and then that's great. But so I'm really like, okay, God made you and he loves you. The Bible is true. It has the answers that you need and God wants a relationship with you. And, and so I'm just really hoping like every night, I'm like, guys, why do we tell these stories? Because the Bible is true. God made you and he loves you. He wants a relationship with you and this, he has the answers. The Bible has the answers for what, for your life. Not what the world says. This is where, this is where the answers are. So anyways, um, that's children's ministry. Um, I have a timer. So, um, okay, to keep it short, um, our values for uh, the the youth ministry or our our Wednesday night gym ministry are the same thing that they were for 2019, um, and I'm not going to go over them, but I really have them available for anybody in the church who wants to look at them, Um, but they come down to this. I mean, the first one is actually, I mean, that they come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior, Um, and then we have five others that come after that that fit along with, um, they're aligned with the distinctives of the entire church of TGP, um, but they're fleshed out as tools that can help them to grow spiritually when they leave here because, um, as Brittany said, we know that we're not going to have them for for very long. And so we want to give them uh, tools that they can take with them and hopefully be able to plug in uh, to another church wherever they go next. So uh, the next thing is that, um, y'all... So last year when I I talked about this, um, I said that we had had over 150 students come, um, well, children and teens, so uh, young all the way up to about 18, um, 150 within the last four years that TGP has been here, four years, right? Um, 
but I went back and looked at the numbers this year, and now we are at uh, almost 250 now that have come through. And so when I was looking over it, this is crazy, but um, that means that we've had over 75 new kids. I know that's 100 difference, but it was over 150, and now it's under 250. So we've had over 75 new kids come through in the last 12 months, and those are uh, two-year-olds up to about 21. And so I'm not talking about numbers here. Don't, don't, don't hear that. Don't hear like I'm presenting a big thing. What I want you to hear in this is exactly what Brittany was saying, that our, um, our area that, we're, that God has placed us in is so transient that we have so many new kids coming each month and so many kids leaving each month that um, we really do have such a short time with so many of our families that are here. Um, and so that's, that's really, really important for us to keep in mind as we're planning everything that we do. And just as Brittany said, that she tries to get those, just those few important key details that we want them to take with them uh, for, for the rest of, of their life. Um, we want them to hear that every single Wednesday night. Um, next up, we have a, a, a young men's ministry that, that might be starting. We've had a, a, a large amount of 18, well, really 17 to 21-year-olds that um, have been coming occasionally on Wednesday nights. So they're, they're kids that um, either graduated high school or, um, or dropped out right there close to the end up to 21. And they have um, been asking us if we could open the gym for another night. Um, and we haven't really had the ability to do it, but I think that maybe God's kind of getting to that point that, um, that he's putting some things in place. So um, please pray about if, if God is calling you to um, spend some, t- some time playing basketball with some young men, or you don't even have to play basketball. You could just be there and cheer, um, as in like clap for people, um, on, on, not Wednesday nights, another night during the week. Um, then uh, let's see, our, okay, so for our core students who have been here for um, two years or more, which there are a group of them, just like Brittany was saying with like our children's ministry, um, there, uh, I, I think that God is, is putting into place um, a leadership development program for them. So um, what it would be would be an opportunity for us to uh, spend some more direct time with them to go deeper into the Bible, but to also give them some uh, life skills that they wouldn't necessarily be getting, like um, how to apply for a job, you know, what do you, how to dress. Oh, man, my four minutes are up. Um, So, uh, but yeah, give them those skills, but with a spiritual foundation. Uh, And then the last thing is, um, y'all, we've had some amazing volunteers that have been coming on Wednesday nights, and I'm not, I'm not going to go down the list for time's sake, but thank y'all so much um, for, for allowing God to use y'all in this ministry. The tea tiny things that you guys uh, think are really small are actually big. Um, and uh, I wanted to tell each of you that um, you may not feel called into uh, children's ministry or youth ministry, but there may be ways that God has gifted you um, that he uh, wants you to be able to use for the ministries in this church. And um, that's John out there. That's one of our kids. So, um, but one of them is, for example, um, Alex Felter um, has started painting some signs for us um, that will go in the, the gym um, that fit along with the themes of what we're going to be teaching in the year. And the reason behind that is um, 
a lot of our kids are um, struggle with reading, um, but they're very so they're very visual learners. And if we can have just some type of visual that stays on the wall, um, they remember those lessons months later. And so Alex doesn't volunteer in the youth ministry or the children's ministry. He's not doing something specific every single week, but at his home. I've, I'm letting him know, hey, these, this theme's coming up, and he's painting. He's taking some old boards and, and using his talent, his gift that God has given him, and he is actually helping to um, teach our youth throughout the year without him even being there. So um, please pray about, um, ask, just ask God if there's something that he wants you to do in our children's or our youth ministry. Um, and the last thing, I did say this is the last, uh, to tie it all together is this. Um, the last two songs that we were singing this morning in worship um, were older songs, and they, uh, they were songs that I grew up singing actually when I was a child or like a preteen off at camp. And I, uh, as we were singing those songs this morning, I just remembered um, we would go to this camp and sit in this old gym that was falling apart, literally falling apart, like worse condition than the gym out there. And we would sit on the floor at night and we would sing these songs. We didn't have any band, uh, nothing, just the camp pastor would start singing and all of us would, would join in. And in those moments with me as like a, I don't know, 10-year-old kid, um, I, w- I was worshiping. It wasn't the same kind of uh, worship that you would see adults doing nowadays. You know, I wasn't necessarily sitting still or anything, but I was feeling um, what God was doing in that room. I was experiencing God in those moments of singing just those simple songs over and over and over again in the dark. Um, And so it seems like that's such a tiny thing that we did. So we sat in an old gym and and sang some songs, Um, but it had lasting, eternal um, impacts on, on me and on many of the girls who were there at camp with me who are now in ministry. And so what I want you guys to know is that these tea tiny things that we're, we're doing here have huge and lasting spiritual effects. Um, so don't, don't take for granted the small things that God calls you to do. They're little, but they're huge, huge in the kingdom. That's it. <laughs> All right. I don't need that here. Okay, I'll leave it down there. Okay, well, we're really late, and I still have a lot more to do, (laughs) so can y'all hang with me for a little bit? If you need to go, I understand, Um, but I wanted to cover several more things. I'm going to go a little bit out of order. Um, I want to talk first about um, our elders and our pastors, our pastor, me. Um, As you guys know, this has been, I said earlier, this has been a transition year for us, and it's been a learning experience for me and also for you guys, and I wanted to say thank you. Um, for kind of figuring this out with me. We talk about in the elders that I'm kind of, I and, and by association, you also are the guinea pigs of trying to figure out what this looks like. We feel like our call, just like Glenn was talking about in Romania and Honduras, that our pastors are going to be bivocational. And so I'm kind of help fleshing out what that looks like. And what it means is that, that it requires a lot more of you guys. Um, all the volunteer positions that we have that are needed are needed because we don't have full-time staff that just handle those things like a lot of other churches do. And so I wanted to just say, first of all, thank you guys for being who you are and for loving one another in this community the way, the way that you do. I did want to share a few things that we're doing uh, in terms of eldership. Uh, we have taken on over the last year three elders in training, quote-unquote. Uh, that's uh, Russ Meek, uh, David Miller, and Jacob Crump. Uh, and that process is just kind of us mentoring those guys until the Lord says that it's time to affirm them as elders. And then when that time comes, are y'all laughing at the fact that Russ is on that list? Is that what's going on? 
I saw somebody laughing. Anyway, um, we will, as the Lord leads, we'll, we'll bring that to the church just like we normally do for elder affirmations and, and, and go through that. Uh, I also wanted to say thank you to the other elders um, for their support. They do a really great job of making sure that really the most important thing that I focus on is, is studying so that I can teach you guys. And so I really appreciate that. All right, um, life groups. Uh, I wanted to touch on that briefly. As I've kind of evaluated, I do this a lot in my life as I look at um, what I'm doing and what I'm doing well and what needs work. And one of the areas that I feel that I've lacked in is leadership in, in terms of life groups. But thankfully, we have life group leaders that do a really great job of, of shepherding their little flocks. We had our life group training this last year and where we, we really emphasize the need for those life group leaders to look at their life groups like a church. Uh, and to shepherd that, that flock as if it was their own. And you guys have done a fantastic job of that. I'm really, as I prayed about how we can better support our life groups, um, because I feel like we need to expand. Glenn was talking about a while ago, he went and met with that church uh, in Georgia last week. I can speak to my life group because I'm there every week, but just about every adult that's in that group is ready to lead a life group. And, right? And we've had that conversation many times. But God's had us together for this amount of time for a reason. But we need to be looking at one another and asking God, is it time for me to step out on my own? But in order to do that, we're going to need some training and some resources and things like that. And so as we've prayed through that, God's called David Miller. Uh, he's, he has affirmed that God's calling him to assist us in that, to be a resource for that. So we'll roll that out more as we get into the year. But, uh, but anyway, I wanted to, to kind of put that before you guys. Um, I wanted to bring up too that we, you know, this is uh, the first time in a TGB history, and this was upon God's prompting, that we have deacons. Um, and that has been an incredible resource for us. I, I, you guys probably don't know and see all the things that they do week to week, um, but without them, church would not be the way it is. And so I want to say thank you to all our deacons. And those are Mike and Debbie Upshaw, Wes and Melinda Draper, Craig Austin and Michelle Palmer. Um, it has been incredible to work with you guys this year. And I look forward to, as God propels us forward in ministry in this community and around the world, um, getting to work with you guys to accomplish those goals and making this in particular, this place feel like it belongs to the community and not just us. So, appreciate you guys. All right, last thing, and I'm going to kind of power through this. Um, I've, I've mentioned a few times from the pulpit um, that we're going to be looking at the book of Ecclesiastes this, this year uh, for whatever amount of time it takes us. I don't have that mapped out completely yet as to how far we will go uh, or how long it will take. And a few of you have told me that you've read it ahead, and that's really exciting for me. Um, I'm excited about this book. Um, in case you guys did not already know, Russ is very learned in the book of Ecclesiastes. He's done a lot of studying, and so he's going to be a great resource for us this year. Uh, he's actually going to share the next two weeks. He's going to introduce the book um, and talk about what the Lord has done in his life as he's studied that and learned it. So I'm excited about that. He's also going to put out some short videos periodically uh, through the course of that study. that will be YouTube-type videos that you can watch uh, at home on your own time to kind of help us dig through some of that stuff. Uh, and God's purpose in bringing us to this book is to, to kind of help us make sense of the injustice that we experience in our own lives. And I know that some of you personally have been going through some really hard things. And so how do we, when we look at Scripture, when we know, we talk about, you know, God is this loving God and we, we're here to experience His joy, how do we reconcile those two things? And so the book is really going to help us with that. And as I was thinking about this week, it reminded me of, and you may have gone through this as a teenager um, I know that I certainly did, and then I've worked with a lot of teenagers that went through it. But once you have given your life to the Lord and you begin to grow in your faith as a teenager, all of a sudden you see the sins in your parents' life and the other adults around you. And you're going, hold on, wait a minute. You guys are supposed to be believers, and I know that you're not acting the way you're supposed to act. And so how do you reconcile that? 
Uh, and that's kind of, for me, kind of been the feeling and it was a kind of a tangible way to think about, why, God, why do you have us going through this book right now? Because if we're going to join God to set people free, there's going to be some hard conversations that happen. Because when we introduce God as a God that is a God of love, people say, well, what about all this crap that's happened in the world around us? And how do we, how do we help them understand that? And how do we understand it? And this book's going to help us um, to do that. Kobe was talking about this morning. Um, we did that song, You're More Than Enough. That song came out in 2002. And I remember singing it. Uh, when we were first starting ministry and he said you know I've done that song a million times but this week was the first time I ever really looked at the lyrics and they kind of came alive um, and so as we study through this book of Ecclesiastes my hope is is that things that we maybe have read before and thought we had an understanding of how God is working in our world that the Lord will reveal himself in new ways okay so in that I want us to kind of let God make a shift in our perspective I talk about perspective all the time and how important it is and I want God to be able to shift our perspective to understand what it means to live in the kingdom right now. That we would um, not let culture and the world determine what's, what's important and what's of value, but we'll let God and his word define that for us. Okay? So, 2019 was great. It was really good. It was hard. It was joyful. It was tearful. It was all the things. But um, I was really, uh, as I looked back over this last year, this week, thinking about uh, our ministry here and you guys um, it has been incredible, and, and not because of the things that God did, but because of the people that I got to do it with. So um, thank you guys for that. All right, last thing we're going to do today um, is we just had a couple of people baptized, right? And one of the things that we always do as a part of that is we have the Lord's Supper, and I thought it was also really convenient today. Um, and if y'all need to go rescue the workers, we can totally do that, whatever y'all... Great, great. Yes, your kids are coming, heads up. Okay, get your belts out or whatever. Um, so today, here's what I want to do. As we are, as we, and I know we've powered through this and, and we'll have some more conversations as we go along. I wanted us to take a moment to, to reflect. You know, we, and we're going to talk about this in just a minute. The reason that we take the Lord's Supper together is to remember. So um, if, if I could, can um, Asher and Zoe and Craig, can y'all come sit up here for me? And I left my tea mug there. Don't knock it over. It'll burn you. It's hot. So here's, here's what I want to do for you guys. Craig, I know you may not have known this was coming. Surprise. <laughs> what, we, what we often do, um, let's, we're going we're gonna to read this passage of Scripture. Y'all help me, help me by staying plugged in. We're going to read the Scripture, and then I want to share with you guys a couple of things, okay? So this is out of Luke 22, 14 through 20, and this is when Jesus is having his last meal with the disciples before, before his death. And he said this. He said, when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and when he had given thanks, to, uh, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on you will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took this bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup... After, they, after they'd eaten, saying, the cup that is poured out for you and is the covenant of my blood. Okay, so, Jesus, when he has this meal, he's pointing back to something that's really, really important. Um, so these are cups of grape juice. I'm sure you guys have seen grape juice before. Here, hold that for me, Craig. So Jesus is pointing back to something. And if you'll remember, when we, when we went through the book of Exodus, something happened when God was delivering Jesus from, from Egypt. 
Um, he had gone through these plagues trying to convince Pharaoh to let his people go, and he just kept saying no. And so God told the Israelites, he said, look, I'm going to send a plague, and it's going to kill all the firstborn of Egypt. And the only way you can be spared from that is to take the blood of a lamb. You have to kill a lamb, and then we're going to put that blood over the doorpost. And when the death passes through, when they see the blood, they will pass over your house. And so that's what the Passover meal is about. And so Jesus, on the night before his death, is meeting with, the, with, with all of his friends that had been doing ministry with him for three years. And he was saying to them, look, I'm about to go away. But when I do, I'm going to send someone else. But before I go, I want to share this meal with you so that you can remember that I am now the Passover lamb. That when, when death comes for you, it will see me. You see, when, when you guys, before you were baptized, you gave your life to Christ, right? And you said, look, look, Jesus, I know that I sin, and I know that I need you in my life. I know that I need you to save me. And so his death on the cross is what saves us from our sins and allows us to have the relationship that we have with Jesus. So on that night, they're sitting at the table, and everybody likes to eat supper, right? Right. So we're there at the table, and they're eating. And Jason, this is a funny-looking piece of bread, right? It's unleavened because during the Passover, they had to leave quickly, and they didn't have time for their bread to rise. But he took this piece of bread, and he broke it. And when he broke it, he said, when you eat, break bread so that you can remember that this is my body that was broken for you so that you could have a relationship with my father, just like the lamb. And then he took the cup. It was a bigger cup. This is a small cup, but we all get our own. We're not going to share because that's gross. But he took the cup and he said, when you drink the cup, when you have your drink with your dinner, remember that it's my blood that was poured out. It was the the blood that, that cleanses us, that saves us from our sins. So today we're about to, everybody's going to come up and you're going to get a cup, not this bread because my hands have been all over it and that's nasty, but we have some little cut up pieces of bread. So get a piece of bread and a cup and then come back to your seat and then we're going to pray and then together as a body, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together, okay? So if you guys would just stand up and come down the middle aisle, grab a cup and a piece of bread. And then take it back to your seat. Okay, my family, my people, together today, let's take the Lord's Supper and remember that the things that God has called us to do are not, um, they're not just a list, that God has called us to love one another as Christ loved, loved us, and that we too would sacrifice ourselves for one another as Christ sacrificed us. So let's eat the body and the blood. Let's pray together. Father, I am blown away by the things that you have already done in this group of, of misfits. And God, I'm even more blown away by the fact that you want to continue to use us and that you are going to use us because you've said so, because you love us, to show the people in our lives how much you love them. God, I'm so thankful for this family that you have given us. I'm thankful that, that all of us are so different and yet so um, perfect for one another. God, as we look forward to another year together, God, I ask that it would be filled 
with joy and excitement about the things that you are going to be doing in our lives and the lives of people around us. God, that you would um, open our hearts and our minds, God, that you would help us to, to grow and to know you in new and better ways. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay.